Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from Jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dan Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. for and the day is already here hallelujah i want to welcome everyone to our fourth edition of the model marriage seminar this time around it is a virtual seminar amen and once again we have our mom in the house hallelujah oh i said amen we have our mom in the house. I think I want to read a little profile on her. Amen. Our mom is a wife of our father, Bishop Doug Heward Mills, the founder of the UD, and she's also an attorney. Those of you who don't know who an attorney is, she's a lawyer by profession and a minister of the gospel by calling. She's a full-time minister of the gospel privilege to be used by God as an international conference speaker. She's also an international conference speaker. As found, she's also the founder of the Called by Her Side Ministry, which is a fellowship of pastors, wives, and women in ministry. You know, also a leader of the Compassion Ministry Outreach-based ministry in prisons, mental homes, and high-end hotels. She's also the director of the Lighthouse Christian Children's Home, now St. Elizabeth, and the director of St. Adelaide's. The school actually was named after her. Amen. And uh, she serves holy by grace under her husband, Bishop Doug Ewart Mills, who is also our prophet and our pastor. Shall we do it for her? Round of applause. And we are really privileged to have this program graced by our Archbishop of the UD. 
Archbishop Ampofo. Oh, a round of applause for him. Hallelujah. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are not going to waste much time. And of course, I have my beautiful wife by my side, your humble servant, Atu Dixon. Oh, a round of applause for us. Hallelujah. So, without wasting much time, mommy, these are your audience. And I believe that there are people watching all across the nations of the world by Zoom and then streaming live on Facebook. A round of applause for Lady Episcopal Sister Adelaide Heward Mills. Hallelujah. Well, it's an awesome privilege and opportunity to be here and to be chosen by God this evening to share his word with his people is an unrivaled um, privilege and uh, I just want us to share a word of prayer and then we can start Father your word is light you have said that you are the light of the world the light shines in darkness and the darkness does not overcome it I pray that the light of your word will penetrate our lives I pray that the life of your word, the light of your word will destroy the works of darkness that have wreaked havoc in many homes, many lives, and many ministries. Let this word bring an end to all the machinations of the enemy in various homes and various relationships. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, O God, my Lord and my Father. Holy Spirit, use me as the Father sees fit and let this word of God change lives for good and let the Father receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think this is about the fourth or fifth edition of our Valentine's Day special at uh, Bishop Patu's church. And um, somehow, we keep coming. And it's a miracle and the doing of the Lord. I want to salute my husband, under whose covering I serve. And I want to also salute the Archbishop for graciously being here. And then I want to salute Bishop Patu Dixon and Lady Pastor Pamela for having us for the fifth edition amidst COVID. Amen. I requested that we go largely virtual for everybody's sake and that there should be as a limited number of audience as possible. So we trust that we are gathering virtually. Amen. Well, this evening, my assignment is to talk about the key of acceptance. Amen. It is important for every married couple to understand that people usually do not change much when they get married. Couples, however, can choose to be happy in their marriages when they learn to accept what they have. 
Ecclesiastes 7 verse 13 says, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which God hath made crooked? Amen. I remember my husband telling me some time ago that God hardly makes anything straight. And he said to me, look at the trees, look at the beds, look at the coastline, look at the clouds. Do you see anything natural that is straight? Hardly. But human beings have said, everything must be straight. But God, who is the author of the whole creation, does not seem to um, operate that way. So now in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 13, Solomon is telling us, consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which God has made crooked? Now, many things that God does, he's sovereign and he knows why he makes it that way. We are going to learn about the key of acceptance. Um, sometimes, some people have a problem with it because the other spouse takes advantage of it and says, take me as I am. Don't complain about anything that's wrong with me. Famisa. But God didn't create us to stay as we are. In Philippians 2.30, the Bible says, For God is at work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So if God wanted us to stay the same way, then he didn't need to be at work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen? But the fact that he's at work in us, and the fact that the Bible says we are being changed from glory to glory, means that we are not supposed to, human, as human beings and as children of God, to be static and say that that's how I am, so take me like that. That's not the essence of the key of acceptance. But the essence is to not look for perfection in imperfection and be frustrated. Amen? Now, I'm happy that the Bible says, for it is God who is at work in us. Because many times we are at work in the lives of the other partner, in the lives of your spouse, even your children, you are at work and you have become a personal Holy Ghost, very busy trying to change people. Now, when I look at, let's say the ordinary things in my own life, whenever I'm anywhere with my children and we've had to go shopping, if I make the mistake of going with my sons, even when they were younger, they will say, Mommy, are you buying this dress? And I'll say, no, I'm admiring it. So, Mommy, why are you holding it? And I'll say, so that I can feel the rich texture of it. So, why don't you decide and let's go to the till and just pay? I said, because I'm not buying it. I'm just admiring it. After a few steps around the shop, they have invariably asked me, when are we going home? Mommy, we are bored. We can't wait around here. When are we going? So I learned early not to take them on any shopping spree. Because even at that age, they just want to go into the shop, get what they want, and come out. 
Now, I as a mother may um, have lived with them, let's say, 25 years, 26 years. Then after that, I hand over to you, the daughter-in-law. Then you, from the first year of your marriage, you begin to change this man whose mother has not been able to change him from what he is. Amen? And then you become frustrated and you, it becomes a problem. Why? Because you have put everything in your marriage on hold and you are busy looking for how you can change this man or this woman. And because of that, every sweetness in the marriage runs out. And then you begin to complain and say, these people look happier. Uh, the people behind the wall look happier. The people in church look happier. They must have perfect mates. But the thing is that they have learned to accept what they cannot change. Amen? And have prayed to God like Prince, uh, St. Francis of Xavier to know the difference between what you can change and what you cannot change. Amen, somebody. So the essence of the key of acceptance is so that we will see the brevity of life. Life is not very long. And if the whole of your married life is going to be in the operation theater and you are operating on your husband or your wife, you will never have the time to live joyfully like the Bible admonishes us with the wife of your youth. Amen. And that is going to bring a lot of unnecessary problems in the marriage. So that is why we admonish that. Learn the key of acceptance. Live by the key of acceptance. And allow God to be the agent of change. The Holy Spirit in the life of your partner. Amen. Now Ecclesiastes 9.9 says... Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun, all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life. Your portion is the man you are married to. Your portion is the woman you are married to. That is what the Bible is saying. And it's saying that whatever portion you have, whether you got the thigh of the chicken, you got the leg, or the neck. You can embellish it with vegetables and other things to make it a full meal. Amen, somebody. And decide to live joyfully. I'm glad that God didn't say, ask an angel to help you live joyfully. Or uh, pray that you live joyfully. He said, live joyfully. So that decision, beloved, lies with us. Amen. And unless you grasp that key. When you grasp the key of, it's called the key because it unlocks a lot of doors. It takes a lot of unnecessary strain and stress out of relationships. And it makes for you to enjoy even the seemingly imperfect because it is only when Christ comes that we will be perfect. We are all a work in progress. Now, many people and many spouses, when they are looking at their spouse, they wear magnifying glasses to see the person's fault. But when they are looking at themselves, they wear rose-colored glasses 
so that they will see everything in a rosy way. Amen? But if you, 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 you buy into the key of acceptance, then you will not struggle to be able to accept your spouse. I hope I'm making some sense here. Well, remember the prayer of St. Francis of Xavier. He said, God, grant me the courage to change the things I can change. The serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God, grant me courage to change. So there are certain things you can change in your spouse. Maybe just by communication, by encouragement. Sometimes rebukes change a person. But I've not seen constant rebukes change a person, constant criticism. But correction can change a person. Just like God, you know, he, he, he corrects us, but in love, you know. And so St. Francis bought into the secret. So he said, give me the courage to change the things I can change. The serenity, peacefulness, peaceableness. To accept the things I cannot change. So we have to accept that there are things in the relationship, in our spouses, in our partners, sometimes even in your children, that you cannot change except the Holy Spirit or except the school of hard knocks or except some personal conviction of the person. You cannot change the person. And then he says that, and the wisdom to know the difference between what I can change and what I cannot change. Amen. Amen. So I pray that this evening we'll receive wisdom to know what we cannot change. Some of us, we are married five years. The whole five years is dedicated to changing your husband, changing your wife, and it's not working. And because of that, you are not happy. You don't see anything good in the marriage. And every sweetness has run out. But I pray that tonight, the Lord will meet us at the point of our need. Amen. Now, Lady Reverend, what are some of the things that every married couple must accept? One of the first things to accept is the temperament of your spouse. Amen? Now, a temperament is said to be like your DNA, okay? We don't get to choose. Some of us, if we had to choose a temperament, maybe we would have chosen another temperament. But God just created us, gave us different temperaments, and caused us to land on this planet. Amen. Now, when you look at Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11, Proverbs 30, verse 11, it says that there's a generation that curses their father and does not bless their mother. 12, please continue. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. Then there's yet another generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. And then there's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Amen. I didn't write the Bible. But the Bible, before we came, 
identifies four clear temperaments. So it is scriptural and describes the temperament. Unfortunately, it describes only the downside, the negative side of the temperament. But it talks about first a temperament who curses their father and does not bless their mother. That is the melancholic temperament. It is also known as the dark temperament. That temperament is not happy to have been brought into the world. When they watch the news, they feel sad and they say, why is the world filled with so many problems? Why are things so difficult? I don't even know the essence of living. These people tend to be moody. They tend to often, first of all, see the negative aspect of things. So if you are married to a melancholic and you come happily to share something, oh, we are doing this and we are doing this project and we are going for it. Really? Do you have enough money? Have you thought through it? Do you know that as you are going, something bad can happen? Do you know that you have to be very cautious? That is the, it's called the dark temperament. So that is the downside of a melancholic. She often or he often sees what will not work before they see what will work. Now, if you are married to such a person, you are likely to be the opposite of that temperament. Now, let me go through all the other temperaments. The second one is the generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet are not washed. These are the phlegmatics. They are very nice people. They hate conflict. They give in easily and they flow with most people. So they don't like to rock the boat. And it is said that this temperament finds it very difficult to be born again because they are so nice, so good. They get on easily with people that they don't see what is wrong with them and why they need Christ. So such people are right in their, pure in their own eyes. And yet, being pure in your own eyes does not wash you from the filthiness of sin. Because David said, in iniquity, my mother gave birth to me, Psalm 51. So whether you like it or not, the Bible says, our good works are like filthy rags. But you, the phlegmatic, because you are cool, you are not likely to use harsh words. You are not likely to rub people the wrong way. So people get on with you, they like you, you don't ruffle their feathers. So you feel you are okay, but in the sight of God, you can never be washed from your filthiness by how you feel. Amen? Yes. Then the next generation, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. That is the sanguine. They live in cloud nine. Every day is a party. Every day is a happy time. It is said that they blow money easily. They don't budget. Every day is a party. It is said that if you want your party to be nice, you have to at least have some sanguines around. But before they arrive at your party, they will lose their directions. They will come late. But when they come late, they will breeze in with joy and happiness. And they will make your party work. Sanguines have the tendency to make people feel special. Oh, how are you? Yeah, we met at the race course. Do you remember? 
So when they talk to you, you feel that you are very important to them. But the reality is, after they talk to you and they move to the next person, they can't really remember what they said to you because they are forgetful by nature. Okay, so their eyes are lifted up. Sometimes they are not realistic. Whenever you have a meeting with sanguines, you will feel so encouraged. They will give you 52 reasons why your idea is so brilliant and it's going to work. And then you get the wrong impression that because of that, they are going to really work hard with you on the project. But when you say tomorrow, let's meet at nine to implement what you have been so excited about, they'll forget, they'll not come. And when they come, they may not perform. So that is the sanguine. The last temperament is called the wicked temperament. That's the choleric. The Bible says that generation, their teeth are swords and knives. When they speak, um, it's not pleasant. They tell you as it is. They don't mince words and they are not into idioms and imagery and trying to make it soft landing. And if you were to ask them, they will tell you, but that's the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. But the Bible says, somebody did this in the crowd. It's like, it's true. But anyway, <laughs> but what it is is that you destroy people with your extreme tongue sometimes, especially the temperament that's not so strong, the temperament that doesn't have a lot of self-esteem, and then you just, the Bible says that they devour the needy from the earth, and they devour other people with their tongue. So their tongues are sharp. They are sharpshooters, you know. And so these are the four temperaments and they are downside. Now, what happens is more often than not, you and I have more than one temperament, okay? Everybody has a predominant or main temperament and a secondary or sometimes even a tertiary one in pieces, okay? So you have a dominant temperament and then you may have a secondary one. Now what happens is opposites attract. So you, the choleric, your mouth is a sharpshooter, whatever, and then you meet a phlegmatic woman. Everything you say, she says, okay. Everything you say, she's not offended. She just goes along with you. The reason why you are attracted to her is because you can dominate her. But you don't know that that is why you are attracted to her. You just say, oh, she just calms me down. And, you know, when I, I become very heated, she has this cooling effect on me. It's true. Now, the phlegmatic woman or man is also attracted to you because she is indecisive. She's not able to make up her mind. I say, shall I go or shall I come? What should I say? I can't say. What should I do? I'm afraid. I can't. And then she meets the collector who says, we are doing this by Thursday. We are moving. So she says in herself, oh my goodness, here comes leadership. And here comes happiness. And here comes security. So what happens? Opposites attract. Now the sanguine is also very happy. The party life, the melancholic loves to make friends but doesn't know how. Loves to talk, but wishes you will come and speak to her because she doesn't know what she should tell you. Do you see? 
And then the sanguine comes and makes conversation so easily, looks for her in her corner and says, oh, hi, Grace. Is that your name? We met the last time. And then he cracks a joke and he makes you laugh. So because of your deficiency, you see his strength as something you are missing. So, wow, here comes sunshine. I'm always in a mood. I'm always thinking negative. I'm always keeping to myself. But here comes somebody who makes me laugh. This is it. And then you marry. Now, opposites attract. But it is said that after they attack. You know, so after when you get married, then what was attractive to you becomes a problem. Because, because what attracted you is the opposite of you. So now you are a choleric, you have married a phlegmatic woman or vice versa. And you say, we are moving. Tomorrow we are doing A, B, C, and D. She says, okay. And then tomorrow comes, she has not even packed. She's sitting there and she says, I'm coming. I thought that we would do this and that. Oh, I'm coming. Then you get irritated. What is that? Every time. It just shouldn't take you 10 months to do anything. You are so sluggish. You are so... The thing that attracted you is now what you are attacking. Why? Because your strength is the partner's weakness. And the partner's strength is your weakness. So she sees in you the weakness and despises you. You see in her, her weakness, and you despise her because it's not your weakness. So in the end, our strengths become our weaknesses. You understand? And so that is what you have to accept. You have to accept that your wife is not you. You have to accept that your husband is not you. You know, it's been 30 plus years of marriage for me. And... After 30 plus years, I think something has rubbed off. And these days when I have meetings, even on Thursday we were in a bishop's meeting and certain decisions were being taken. And I said, the decisions have been taken. Number one, we have to know who is the implementer, who is going to implement it. Number two, by what date? So I said, this first thing we've spoken about, by what date are we going to come back and say we are, it's been implemented? And by who? Who are we going to hold responsible? You know? And then they gave a date. I said, it's too far. Why? It has to be now. And so when I hear it, I know that it's not me, but it's years of marriage. So don't be discouraged. The good things about you will rub off on your spouse. But it will not change the core of who she is. Do you understand? Because sometimes cholerics do you do it all. But you run. And then what the phlegmatic was saying, you come face to face with it. And then you don't also like to say, you told me so. So then you hit a wall. And then you realize that you needed a, a little phlegmatism to cool your fire down a bit. Amen. It's the same with all the other temperaments. You have a sanguine, he cannot keep a budget. By the end of the month, before the, the month ends, he has done impulsive buying. Ah, there's nothing at home. What are you going to do? 
You are going to use wisdom to get around the weaknesses of the spouse's temperaments. And God will grant you that wisdom. What I advise is use the strength in your spouse to advance the lives of you and your family. Amen? If your spouse is melancholic and can keep the money and keep the spare strings together, then delegate to her. After all, CEOs delegate. Don't say I'm the man. I'm the head of the house. Head of the house by faith. By the faith of the month. It is not your forte. It is not your strength. But it doesn't make you incompetent. Amen? In my life and in my house, for many years, I was the one to receive guests, to look after them, to chat with them, even in the church, when there's give thyself holy. Yes, there's preaching. There's powerful impartation and all that. Fine. But after that, the people have to eat. They have to be refreshed. So we can't use only cholerism to look after the people at the conference. Do you understand? We will need a bit of my phlegmatism to say, oh, hello, Bishop Oliver. You must be very tired from this meeting. Come in and have something to drink. We have, and then I'll mention the type of fruit juices we have, and we have water. What would you like? And when the person says, water first, oh, of course, there's no substitute for water. You may not be shouting in tongues. You may not be casting out devils. But that part too makes our life come together. Amen. And when the church was small, or when the church was poor, I should say, it couldn't um, afford hotels. And so every guest, whether you were Swiss, whether you were Ashanti, whether you were Nigerian, stayed in my house. Now, everything depended on me. You cannot go and say you are going to give a Swiss man pakoshito and shikashika. You can't. I'm sorry. You have to think of other things to do. Now, I couldn't have delegated that to my husband because he, all he knows is that the person will not like to eat this. But as to what should be in play, how the table should be set, whatever. No, I don't think he knows that. So every time from church to my house, because there's nowhere to even receive guests. So from church, straight to my house. Whether it was Ag Bishop, Duncan, Will, whoever, straight to my house. Even afternoon sessions. So we'll go to my house, eat, and then they'll go back to Collegono to continue the meeting. Now, I could have said, I don't like my temperament. I want what my husband has so that I can build 3,000 churches, so that I can conquer kingdoms, so that I can... But one, God does not give all of us the same calling and the same giftings. And I think that if we have the key of acceptance, there will be less competition, less fighting, less rivalry. Let's see your wife not as your rival, and your husband not as somebody who is your but as your complement. She's complimenting you. She's complimenting what you don't have because you can't have everything. You can't. Even God needs disciples to work through. And you, you think you can be one man thousand. There's nothing like that. So please, let us accept the temperaments, okay? When the tap is leaking, you tell your wife, 
you tell me and it takes five days that's the beginning but with time I'll change okay and I'll become better and especially when you praise and you affirm the Bible says as refining pot to silver I think it's Proverbs 21 so is a man to his praise when you praise especially the brothers they want to perform better and when you praise your wife that oh today's food it worked but thank you very much she will do all she can to make the food nice but if she puts something before you and you say is this jollof she will get worse you know so there's a way of accepting and still encouraging so that we get the best out of our spouses in spite of our differences amen somebody Am I making sense? A lot of sense. Okay. So accept the temperament. And then accept the masculinity or femininity of your spouse. Genesis 1 verse 27. Genesis 1 verse 27. The Bible says God made us in his own image and that he created him male and female created he them it is not that your wife decided that I'm female so I want to be this way but God made us male and female he didn't make Adam and Steve he made Adam and Eve he didn't make Eve and Eva he made Eve and Adam amen Amen. and he made us male and female we are not the same even our hormones the proportions progesterone, estrogen, they are not the same. We may have a bit of each, but some hormones are more pronounced, isn't it? Opi Pamela and Bishop isn't it? So, a female is a female is a female. So don't say, Sir, you were brought up by a bar, or bar, and many of you were brought up by single women who found wisdom and ways to look after you. But today you say about your wife, women are not, you know, okay up there. They are not smart. But God said that he, he made all of us in his image and he made us male and female. We are not all the same. Like I was telling you about my sons. Most women love going to the shop. Most men, it means that there are exceptions, don't like going to the shop. I have a few male friends I know who like going to the shop. They'll wait for you, go back, but they are the exception. Majority, no. When are we going? When are we? And then the shops they go to, they want to go to Bose. Is it Bose or electronic? Buy a new phone. You two, you are not interested. You know, sometimes you want household goods. You want Mm. to buy new pillowcases. You want to buy scatter pillows. You want to buy room diffusers. You say, hey, then I will turn your mind. But when she comes and she diffuses the room and it's smelling nice, you don't know how. And you say, hey, I have on fire. How can it was her years of window shopping that brought that about. Amen. Now, women also criticize men. They say, every, little, every, everyday sex, that's all that is on his mind. Mercy. God made it that way. God made it for men to be attracted to women. God made it for men to follow women. If you like, look at the chickens, the dogs. The men are always, 
Sometimes their tongue cries hanging out. When you look at the animal, you say, ah, asembeva debi. But God made man that way. And he wanted to use that attraction to populate the earth. He said, go forth, increase, multiply, and subdue the earth. Amen. Amen. Now for that multiplication to happen, one of the reasons for sex is for multiplication. And so God made it such that the man should be attracted to the woman and the man should be sexual. Now sometimes I wonder why God put two incongruous people together. Because most women, when they are tired, the last thing on their minds is sex. When a man is tired, he says he wants to release tension through sex. For a woman, sex rather adds to the tension sometimes. If she's not already relaxed, she does not function that way. Now there's a battle of genders. Because the man says, you are selfish, you think only of yourself. And the woman says, all that you want is sex. You are not nice to me the whole day. You never called me. But as we have slept and the lights are off, you are bringing your hand like an armed robber. And I don't want to know why the gender wars. God himself is male and female. Why do we like to say, women are this, men are this. Let us accept the sexuality of our men. Amen, brothers. Amen. Let us accept that. You know, it's very difficult for a woman because the things that trigger a man, when you even get a glimpse into it, you are shocked. For instance, you see a picture of a Chinese woman who has shown a part of her breast. A man will immediately react. But for us, we have to usually know the person, have a relationship with the person before it becomes interesting. But for a man, even a Chinese woman on the calendar, won't name no. But for the word of God, you would like to sleep with her now. How are you not afraid? Chinese eyes like this, won't name no. How can it be? <laughs> but the reality is that that is how God made you. So your wife should accept that. The fact that she is satisfied with two times a week does not mean the man should be like her. Otherwise, we are two boys in the house, two women in the house, you see. But I don't also subscribe to the view that women are asexual, they are not interested at all, and it's only the man who is interested. I think that, you know, the Bible says that dwell with them according to knowledge this is what the world, the body of Christ is missing we are refusing to dwell with the women according to knowledge and we are defining them ourselves to say they are some way they are not interested uh, they like the children more many women are troubled when their relationships don't work a woman is wired for relationships because that's what God brought her on the scene for. So when her marriage is not working, she is not happy and she can easily end up in the mental hospital. So she's not easily happy to take you for granted that, oh, you've married me, so any unhappiness in the house is okay. It's It's a lie from the pit of hell. But like we say in our marriage counseling, the woman is a pressing iron. 
when you put a pressing iron on, the light comes on, but it doesn't heat till after a while. The man is a light bulb. Who saw you and pray you are on. Now you have to gently bring your wife along. Women respond to nice words. Women respond to love. Women respond to touch. Women respond to gentleness. I remember having a program at the Kodesh and a woman said, she was very angry and she said that her husband is so selfish. She had been married for quite some time. She was mature. Because he doesn't talk to her the whole day. He doesn't call to say, how are you? Where are you? What's up? He doesn't involve himself in anything that upsets her. It doesn't matter. But when they get to the room, then he says, down. She was virtually in tears. She was very angry. She says that when they get to the room, he just says, turn around. That's the only communication. Now, a person iron cannot work with that. I am not saying that every day the person iron should say, don't be a lamp, uh, don't be a light bulb. But when the person iron goes with your flow all the time, at a point, she will become like she's not interested. But it's because she has no connection with you. And it's not because she has gone to sit somewhere to plan a coup d'etat and say that I want to be this way so that he will see that this is where power lies. No, she has been programmed like that by God. So you also have to dwell with her according to knowledge. So go to her school, understand her and don't see it as a form of weakness, a form of being taken advantage of. And at the same time, the woman should say, look, Whatever my husband wants to flow with, I will flow with it. After all, ladies, how long is it? (laughs) So you just decide to bless him. eh? One lady told me, as my husband, I just bless him. Every time I bless him, he just goes to his wardrobe and he gives me a check. (laughs) You see? It doesn't mean that you should be demanding checks for everything. So we have to accept the fact that we are male and female sexually. And in all other areas. And that we are different. But difference doesn't mean inferiority. Difference doesn't mean you should look down on me. Difference should that some of you, when your husband approaches, hey, da, 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 da. Where should he go? Reverend Eastwood once told me that the Christian men, we have only one bed, Lady Reverend. We don't have any other bed to go to because of the fear of God. So our wives should also try. Amen, ladies. When your husband wants to bring new ideas, you say, hey, me, what new ideas? Every day, missionary position, that's what I know. You have to be adventurous, even at 50. Amen? Amen. And sometimes, the not being adventurous, it's on the side of the men. That's what people don't know. You know? So now your wife has become the leader in everything. It's not supposed to be like that. So please, male and female, made he us. So let us accept our masculinity. Let us accept the masculinity of our partner and the, and the femininity, femininity of our partner. Wives. If shopping makes your wife happy, try and go with her. You see, Mrs. Cho, she just passed away. And Dr. Yonggi Cho has even written in his book that he, he felt that the most important thing was God, the ministry, um, himself, and his wife last. I was just reading it, I think on Facebook or 
one of the places. And he told the wife that, well, if you don't like the order, you can please yourself. But I me, mean, this is what God has done. And the wife was very depressed. So his mother-in-law, who was the wife's mother, and his co-pastor came to see him and said that, look, you want to kill your wife and kill yourself. You are living in an unhappy home. And instead of addressing it, every day you are shouting on her that she has demons. But it's a demon of depression because what you do is not good. So he decided that Monday would be his day off and he'll go shopping with his wife. He said that initially it wasn't easy. He would go with her and she'll be taking him to so many shops he doesn't want to go to. And then she'll ask, is it nice? And he'll say it's nice even when he doesn't know. But with time, his marriage got healed and he became the happier man and he got a lot of support from his wife. So accept the fact that we are male and female. Um, Amen. Antimam, I just wanted to um, say that um, number one, this is a very powerful um, um, seminar or conference that we are experiencing. And um, the things that are being shared are to help our lives, you know, help our marriages. And I believe that as you are listening, God, allow God and allow yourself to, you know, make some analysis of your own self, you know, and try to apply them to practically have an effect of whether you are the married conference. or single yes and um I, I want to say you know when you began you spoke about um how um for the christian you know they say um, i will never change it's like you know we said that when you marry somebody the person is not likely to change and um so some people take advantage and say hey i will never change and um, it just occurred to me that in the key of acceptance um the person the, 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 the target of change, <laughs> if you are the one who is being worked on to be changed, I think that you should have a mind to also change, also to try. upgrade yourself. You should try because it's not, it's not good to even remain the way you are. Everything God created doesn't remain the way it is. Everything God created grows and changes and becomes better. From glory you to know, glory. From glory to glory. So if, if you are the point of or you are the subject of attempted change all the time um, understand it is true that you are not likely to change much but you can be modified you know and like um, Antima was saying after a while you realize that some things that you may not even like but after you've married for a while it rubs off on you it's like magnetism after a while you become like your spouse yeah. and your spouse also gradually yeah. changes to become like you in a way so I think that it's a very powerful revelation that we are receiving, you know, especially the part you spoke about, um, don't masculinity and femininity, they are different things and they will remain different things. They will remain different. Yes. And if you analyze even what God created, every substance is a mixture of something. And then I said to myself, well, water is pure, but water is made up of hydrogen and oxygen. Yeah. You know, so I think that for a good life, it's always a mixture of two things. You know, you, you mix this and that to get something. Now, when your mixtures are wrong, for example, uh, many years ago, we used to make, do shandy. Now, if you don't understand shandy, I will not explain to you. <laughs> but shandy. the shandy can either become Coca-Cola fully or can become the other drink fully. So you need to know how to mix. Like, water is made up of um, H2O two um, um, 
ox- hydrogen, one oxygen. So if you are choleric and your wife is um, melancholic, you must understand that it's a good platform to start from. And the way we mix the two, it's never a wrong mixture. Once you are married, your mind should be that this is not wrong. That we are not coming like, I can't take it. Or uh, we, are, we are, in fact, the, a common uh, um, excuse now is um, we are not compatible. Of course, we don't expect you to be compatible, but you are supposed to augment yourself and then create a wonderful new union. So I believe that um, this conference is really going to work out for our good, myself, and so now. I, 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 I just um, thought it would be interesting to look at um, what is the meaning of acceptance. And um, something I saw interesting, it said you must, it means you give credence, you know, belief in, trust in, confidence in, faith in, reliance, you know, dependence on, you know, and so on. And, and, and when you marry, you know, what we are saying is that Believe in the temperament of your spouse. You know, that is a way to accept it. You have to analyze it like it's being analyzed for you and realize that this temperament, it can, it can help me in this way, it can help me in that way, and I can be better off when I learn a few things from the person. When you analyze it like that, and then you begin to believe in the person, you give credence to him, and so on you will begin to take advantage or become better by it. So I, I believe that we should take what we are saying um, seriously and it's going to be powerful. We are not all men, we are not all women. Amen. Yeah. I'm happy that we have a man here also <laughs> to bring a perspective. Amen. I was saying that God made us male and female. One of the things too is that Women like communication most of the time. So for her, the measure of love is that you spend time with her. I think that all the things that make men happy, or most of the things that make men happy, are tangible and can be seen. So when we come for marriage counseling, they ask the woman, how many times do you have sex with your husband? And she says, then we have a sexometer. So we can look at it to say, she's not doing well. How many times do you cook for your husband? It's also tangible. But when the woman says, you don't have time for me, it's, it's nebulous. It's not tangible because she cannot count. So we don't have a communicometer or a timeometer, but we have a sexometer. Do you understand? So when they come for the marriage card, she looks like she is not trying. But what it is, is that you haven't sown anything anywhere to reap. You don't chat with her. You're always on the phone. You are always talking to other people, laughing, chatting, happy. She won't say anything. But it sends a signal to her that she's not important. She's not interesting to you and somebody else. is better. You are always on your computer. When she's coming, then you close it. You think that we are fools or we are babies. A woman knows a lot. So when she reads through it, your, your computer has now become Mrs. Abrebrese. Then when you finish and you close your computer, you come to the bedroom and you expect an action movie. From where? There's no bullet in the, the, the gun for it to be shot. Okay, so 
place saw something. I, 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 I get a bit sad when I listen to this. I say to God, oh, that they will believe that it takes so little to make a woman happy. But they will not believe it. Headstrong. It's not so. She's some way. When men come to my office, they do ever. My wife is very some way. Eh, what does she do? Oh, she's some way. I don't get it. I want to understand the some wayness so that I can address it. So she, when I touch her, she this, and then the wife comes. It reverend, he doesn't have time for me. Say, don't I have time for you? Last time was I not watching Shaolin Kung Fu's with you? She didn't watch it because po 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 he hey, she can't do. Not everybody can go by that. So there are times when you have to sacrifice and sacrifice is missing from Christian marriages. Everything is about me, 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 I, 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 what I want. But that's not what Christ taught us. He said, count others better than yourselves. It means the other person's opinion. It means the other person's interest. It means what the other person values. And when we count each other's values better than ourselves, you will be outdoing me, I'll be outdoing you. And it will make for peace. A lot of things are brought on by ourselves. But I pray that God will touch our stony hearts this evening and change us for good. Amen. 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 Accept the physical structure or looks of your spouse. Accept the physical structure or the looks of your spouse. Now, Men are moved by sight. Although the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. But for you, that verse is the opposite. We walk by sight and not by faith. But anyway, it is understandable. God uses that to make you attracted to a woman. But when after three children, you say that why is your waist like that? You are not being fair. Because you at 40, you have not given birth before. Look at your midriff. What should we say? You are totally out of shape. And yet we love you. But we have a reason. We've done caesarean. We've done this. At nine months it's like this. After nine months it comes like this. Then, it comes like this. Your children are the ones who have sucked the breast of the woman. Today you say it's Chalewate. Really? Really? You want to have your cake and eat it. I am not saying the woman should not also make the effort to look nice, to look attractive. She should. But you have to accept certain realities. That young Legon girl you are picking up, She's going to be worse than your wife was at the age of 30. And then after that, you go for level 100 again. You are always going back, forth, back and forth. You have become an Iringa. It's time to change that. Amen. So that's why we say that marry the contents and not the packaging. Amen. Marry the contents. What does the Bible say in Proverbs 31 verse 30? Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. It didn't say charm is not good. It said it deceives. It doesn't make you think properly. 
beauty, it fades, it's vain. Go and ask Miss Ghana 1999. How many have come after her? Now that we are in 2021. Go and ask Miss Malaika. I even know one of them. Today she has children and she's busy raising her family. Will she be Miss Malaika forever? No. But what she is within will be changing from glory to glory. So accept your spouse. Not that she should leave her whole self Every day in the house, you are cooking a banquet, big stain here. Why don't you want to look good at home? I don't understand. <laughs> Ladies, and then when visitors are coming, you are running, say, hey, me, whoa, hey, you meet, you know what I mean, why? What is that? Look nice so that you don't have to do that. Look nice so that you don't have to run. The only time you have to run is when you are wearing hot pants for your husband's sake. And a guest who shouldn't see you like that has come. Then that one you have to run. But not that you are looking like Bob Marley. And then when people are coming, you are, don't you want to look nice? Why? You don't want to do your hair. Yes, you have taken your wig off. But under the wig can be a nice healthy pony. Amen, ladies. And buy something nice to hold that pony, even at home. Amen. And wear earrings, wear jewelry when you are cooking. Look nice. Wear your jeans. Hey. Some of you, your, your house coat is a towel on tomato. Where did you learn that from? Every time. And then every time there's rollers in your hair, either you've taken off your wig, you are looking like, what does daddy say? Another boy. You are looking like another boy in the house. It's not attractive. And then the bedroom. Your clothes are tie and die. Your night, you know, you're tie and die. And you see through. Tie and die. Be innovative. Don't, don't let it be only when you are going out. Look nice at home. Eh? Look for nice underwear to wear. Amen, ladies. But the hose, your pants with hose, what's just uh, a dang. Amen, ladies. You always wearing bola. You you wear your husband's boxes. I'm dialing some numbers here. <laughs> Auntie Mami, I think this particular point. <laughs> you, you you know I think that sometimes for some of the husbands also. You never make a comment, yes, compliment your wife. Yeah. about your wife. You've never said anything for her to think that this is nice to you. Yeah. So maybe after some years, she feels that she you are not up. into clothes, That's you are right. not into all that. That's right. Meanwhile, you secretly admire others. others. So I think that when you are seeing your wife depreciating, you should ask yourself, you know, because the laws of physics say that action and reaction are equal and opposite. So ask yourself, what am I doing that is making my wife not to look nice again? Even, even ask yourself, when was the last time you bought something A for present her? To uh -huh. And then she would learn from your present that, hey, we know people. Then she begins to also go in that direction. So I think that sometimes the men have not helped. And it's also, they don't give know, any money. For their very, wives very to do important. anything, you know, they don't give any that money. Is another at all. conference, yeah, giving of money. 
<laughs> they don't give any gifts. I mean, daddy preaches about it. People who yeah. have never given their wife a gift to. Yeah. Somebody, the whole marriage, he gave her once 100 cities to buy a shirt, a, a, a dress. That's all. Whether it's Christmas, or whether it's Easter, or whether it's even ordinary, or even Valentine's Day, you have come to sit here. Oh, man, she, what is the conference for? Huh? You are Armstrong, but you give to the girls in your office. You shower other people with gifts. At church, you are known as the philanthropist. But in your own house, it's not like that. And also, when she even tries to be a bit romantic, you are not encouraging her. It's true. Cover yourself. Cover yourself. Yeah, and then buy, buy the right ninety you want your wife to be in. I've always said time and time again that virtually all my night dresses are bought by my husband. Wow, a round of applause. And you, you have never looked there. I said, well, look at what, in your mind, you are insulting her. It's not right. We are supposed to help each other. Sometimes I say to my husband that, but the men, how do they also dress at home? They wear a top that does not go with the down. The one you are going, you sport and you put on your aftershave. Do your part, please. Women are not so sight, whatever, but at least look nice also. And invest in your wife. Somebody came to see me and said he had left his wife. And I was telling him, this foolish fiangre you've gone for, she has given you so many problems. She says she's not even uh, ready to accept your three children. So many people, and you are still going on with it. I don't understand. Your wife is nice, whatever. He came to my office with his wife subsequently. And I said, look at your beautiful wife. And then when we finished, he said to the wife, please excuse me. Then he said to me, mommy, she doesn't speak good English. She's not well educated. I said, do you know about adult education? I said, you men, you always want already made. Eh? I know adult education classes. They can teach your wife and she can Speak the correct English. If you let her go for class, but you don't want to invest in anything. And in any case, this your the, the woman he has, I, I don't see her English, but he was totally blind. I believe he still is blind if you are listening to me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm running to the finishing line. <laughs> Accept that, accept the negative things in your spouse's character. I think I've spoken about that a bit in terms of temperament. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are all earthen vessels. All of us are earthen vessels. Is it Jeremiah 30, 23 says, can the Ethiopian change his spots? Can the Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leopard change his spots? So we all have things that are clay, things that are not good, things that are not, but you can't dwell on that. So I think that having said that in temperament, even God knows that the treasure he puts in us, we are earthen vessels, but he still invests in us and knows that he can get the best out of us. 
So I pray that that will be your story. Amen. Amen. Accept peace instead of quarreling. Romans 12:8 As much as lieth within you be at peace or live peaceably with all men. As much as lieth in you be at peace with all men or live peaceably with all men. Another verse says so far as it depends on you. A lot of marriages have become war zones. You come to church, you may even sit next to each other, but there's no marriage at home. And there's no peace. Sometimes there's no peace because we keep a record of wrongs. I always tell my husband, God, I don't know how he knows everything. How does he know that we will have a problem with keeping a record of wrongs? How does he know before he wrote it, before we even came, that love does not keep a record of wrongs? Now, if love does not keep a record of wrongs, what does it mean? It means that there will be a lot of wrongs. But love does not keep the record. Love does not register the record. Love does not refer all the time. 1958, oh yes, sir. The last time we were going to my mother, you did. And then 1972, you did. And 1975, you did the same. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. So we need to decide to forgive decide to live peaceably hebrews 12:15 looking diligently lest any fail of the grace of god lest the root of bitterness springing up from among you trouble you and defile others first of all it will spring up from among you it's a root and then it will trouble you whenever you don't forgive, you are not at peace, you have a record of wrongs, you will never be happy. And apart from that, you will develop other diseases that will take you out of this life before your children grow. Is that what you want? The Bible says we should look diligently, lest any fail of the grace of God. Lest means in case, the root of bitterness. So we can easily say we are not bitter. We can easily say we are not unforgiving. But Jesus taught us to pray. He said we should ask for our daily bread. It means that we are praying that prayer every day. And in that daily prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive them that trespass against us. So God knew that as much as you need to forgive others, he also needs to forgive you. And so it's a prayer that you shouldn't pray if you don't forgive the other person. And the ones that hurt us the most are the ones that we love the most. Because somebody walking on the road, if he throws an apple and it doesn't, it's likely not to touch you. But the person closest is the one who will hurt you the most. But if you can look at the cross and see that in spite of all your somewayness, God forgive you, you must also forgive. Now that brings us to a very difficult place where people say, Lady Reverend, I forgive, but I don't forget. And then I also forgive, but he takes me for granted. Now the Bible says, shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound, so that forgiveness may abound? No. That was Paul's answer. No. So you don't also take your spouse for granted. Oh, because he's a Christian, he forgive me. Because he fears God, she will forgive me. Oh. My wife, she prays, but she will forgive me. 
So you go on and on and on. You will lose the person. Even if he or she forgives you. So you also have to consider the other party. You can't go on and on because you see, sometimes people take advantage of a wife who is godly. You think that she will always be like that because she fears God. So when you are somewhere, she will give you food to eat. When you are somewhere and you touch her in the bedroom, she will flow because she's looking at God. So because of that, you go on and on and on. It's like a, a default setting. You are used to that. But one day, the cup will be full. Even God says, I will not strive with man forever. So a place comes like that. So even though your spouse should forgive you, you too handle with care and love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that that would help. So choose peace instead of quarreling. If I may add to your point um, about forgiveness. Um, You said decide to forgive. And I think that forgiveness is one jack in moving in acceptance. You can't accept the person if you can't forgive the person. And the interesting thing about forgiveness is that forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. You you make a decision to forgive. Hmm. So maybe you are waiting that one day you have a certain feeling it's that not an emotion. the forgiveness has come, you know, like some anointing. It, it, it will never happen. It's a decision you have to decide that I'll forgive my husband, I'll forgive my wife for what she has done or what she didn't do. And then you move in the forgiveness. It helps you to accept the person as, as they are. And also when we look at God's model, forgiveness goes with repentance. So try and show repentance, a broken and a contrite spirit that will not despise. So for your error, look broken. For your error, look contrite. For your error, look like you are making some effort. But it's like, I slept with her and so what? And so what? And so what? You have broken trust. You have broken so many things. So you should look repentant. Not that, eh, even in my office, everybody does it. Are you, are, are you special? If you can't accept it, just go. No. Even God, he demands repentance. Yeah. And then he forgives. Amen. So let Amen. us see some repentance on both sides. And receive the grace to say sorry. Mm. Receive it. And some of you, when your wife says sorry, you are now climbing on your throne. For what? Hey. Give me five reasons why. Five diagrams to demonstrate. Five tests to prove. I've seen it. What I've said. So what are you? What exactly are you saying? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry for the way I spoke to. You. What way did you speak to me? Hey. Oh, I think I got carried away, so I raised my voice. Is this the first time you have raised your voice? Small forgiveness, no. I bear you in conference. And they begin to make reference. To make reference. Is this the first time you've raised your voice? Last week, didn't you do it? One sorry that she came to say. Hey. So it has become. A, a whole conference. No. No. You can point out things even later, but sometimes maybe not in the same forum. Because God forgives you, yes. even for things you don't know about. You know, but repentance is key. Especially when whatever has been committed has gone to the root of the marriage. Mm. It's broken trust. It's brought so many doubts and whatever. And you just think that by a wave of your hand, 
Things should be restored. She will forgive. But there needs to be restoration in that marriage. There needs to be communication. There needs to be talking to each other. There needs to be openness. She should be able to say, oh, so when you said this, you really didn't mean, you need to say, yes, I'm sorry, babes. That was it. <laughs> you the sinner, no? <laughs> you are saying, back to me. And one, one matter, won't she let it drop? Please. I think we have persuaded better things of each other. Amen. Amen. Now, accept that the word of God is greater than your emotions or your personal ideas. Matthew 26 from verse 38. Matthew 26 from verse 38. This is Jesus. Remember that he has rebuked Peter seriously. When Peter said, I will not let you go and die, he called him Satan. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou severest the things of men and not the things of God. And the Bible says he set his face steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. Now, when he got to Jerusalem, he goes to the Garden of Eden, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, and he's praying. Then he says to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Why is he sorrowful when he knows the will of God? Why is he sorrowful when he has told us in all the chapters before, for this reason came I into the world. The son of God must fall into the soil and it abideth alone. But he has said all this, but when it came to the crunch, he also had emotions. The Bible says we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Why am I saying this? I'm saying that Jesus also had emotions. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. Your soul is where your emotions are. The seat of your emotions, your mental ability, your mind, your intellect, and your feeling, your emotions. And he says, I'm so sad. I'm so depressed even unto death. So it's okay for a Christian to also have challenges in his or her emotions. Amen. Amen. And then what does he say? He says, watch with me. The next verse. Then saith he unto death, no, the next 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and did what? And prayed, saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So you have to accept that God's will, which is primarily from his word, is greater than how you feel emotionally. Emotionally, you feel like walking out of the marriage. Emotionally, you feel like going to have an affair to teach your wife or your husband a lesson. Emotionally, you feel that the marriage is finished. But like Jesus, there must be a nevertheless The key was that he went into his closet where he could talk to God alone. And he didn't mask his emotions. He didn't say, oh, you know, being the son of God, I don't feel extremely sorrowful. Being the son of God, my sorrow is not up to death. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. 
Then he said, let's watch and let's pray. Then he goes and he tries to negotiate with God that if it is possible, let this cup of crucifixion pass. Nevertheless, that is where you accept that. What God's word says and how you are feeling and the fire that's burning in you is different from what God's word is saying. But you come to the point where you say, if it's possible, eh, leave, get, get me out of this marriage. If it's possible, I just want to walk out. If it's possible, I just want to throw in the towel. If it's possible, I don't feel like going on. Nevertheless, not my will. Not my will. A lot of our marriages, a lot of our relationships are packed with our own will. But accept that God's word is higher than the way you feel. That is the key. If you've been married for some years, there are times when you come to a point that I'm tired. It's hard. I can't. I don't have the energy. Sometimes not even you, but some people just study their spouse and say, Lady Reverend, he's not interested anymore. So why am I there? So it's not that they have uh, uh, begun to feel that they should go. But when they read through the lines, they feel rejected. They don't feel wanted. They know that action is going on somewhere. Why am I here? He disrespects me. I'm not saying the person should go on disrespecting you. But I'm saying that in your emotions, don't make decisions. You know, you say terrible things. I regret marrying you. Yes, pack your things and go. Do you think I'm afraid? Go. If even you go, I will live. I will survive. What do you think you are? And if you are a woman, as your husband is getting dressed, going out, you are talking after him. Yes. Do you hear what I said? When you come, I will not be. When everything dies down, you say, oh, why did I allow my emotions to carry me? This is not what I meant to say. Oh, I'm so sorry. And sometimes because of what you said, it has become a seed. You may say sorry, but the person is thinking about it. He said he regrets marrying me. So what am I going to do? He regrets marrying me. And when you are angry and you tell your wife, pack your things. You think, whatever, you, you think you are showing power. I will divorce you. You think you are showing power. But what you are doing is, you are sowing seeds of insecurity. So she's thinking, how can I buy a house? How can I secure myself? Mm. He has said it three times that he's, he's going to throw me out. When they throw me out, like the unjust steward, what am I going to do? Mm, I have relaxed. always put our money together. I don't have anything. I have to plan. How did it begin? The things you st- begin. The things you said made her think that what, if, if it happens, what will I do? So let's be careful with our tongue, our emotions. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, let your speech minister grace to the people that hear you. It's not that you shouldn't be angry, but sometimes when the emotion is so high, don't speak, eh? Don't speak, because the Bible says, a foolish man says everything that's on his mind. Later on in the evening, you and your wife, you have united cry, you are eating kelole, drinking tea, and you wonder if it's the two of you. Sometimes you come for counsel, say, I'm leaving here. I'm le-. The next month, I see your wife can't walk. Oh, well, she's pregnant. Married people. Married people. 
you wanted to say something? Oh, I, I, I think that what you are saying is very, um, very, very important. Um, especially, you said the word of God is our key. It's higher than our emotions. Yes, it's higher than our emotions. We don't move by how we feel. We move by what the word of God says. God created marriage. So when he says it and we flow with it, it's going to bring us blessing, I believe. I think that the crux is that we are not Christians in the marriage. Mm. You may be a, a cardinal, you may be a pope, but mm. in the marriage, you are not a Christian. The things you say, the way you speak, and words are seeds. You go and say to your husband, I'm sorry, but the seed is there. You say to your wife, pack your things three times. And you think, oh, when I say she's still there, no. She has built at Kukubite just as she has not told you. Merci. <laughs> a lady once came to me that her husband had been unfaithful and also she was doing business with him and all that. So she was really crying. Oh, lady reference. Oh, whatever. And she said, you know, I saw this about two years ago. So... Although this has happened, I just thank God for wisdom. And I said, really, what wisdom? She said, well, I've built a two-story house. He doesn't know about it. <laughs> I said, what? She said, yes, I've even started to furnish it. Because anyway, I knew that he would treat me this way. Then, just as we were talking, Bishop Saki walked in. And then I was telling him, you see this lady, she says she has built a house. She was like, he said, so you're building your house and then your husband's secret, which one is, your husband's secret life, which one is worse? <laughs> she was like, he said, that your two-story house is worse. <laughs> you know, so sometimes because you create insecurity, the person is not sure, you bring all sorts of things to the person's mind. It's not every time that when a woman does a project, it means she has a bad mind. Because after all, the virtuous woman, the Bible says she considers a field and she buys it. The Bible doesn't say she's done anything wrong. She considers. She considers and she buys it. But I think that some of these emotional outbursts and things, we ourselves, we don't know the word of God. That's That's the problem. So when the crisis comes, you don't know what God's word says. All you know is Bishop Atu preached powerfully. But Jesus could use the word of God in Matthew 4. It is written. It is written. You, you don't know the word. So when the things happen, your foolish friends at work, your, they are the ones, and your foolish friends at church, they are the ones who advise you. And your emotions. But accept that God's word is always higher. Always. You see, sometimes the world looks like they are winning. Oh, even since he divorced his wife, he has found a nicer wife to marry. Eh. From my experience, it's because of where you are standing. Most of the time, all that glitters is not gold. And my mother, who is 80-something, tells me that from all the statistics, both men and women often regret it. And they say that, hey, I should have taken what I had already like that. But now, you have to prove to the whole world that you are very happy. And you've moved on. So you have become an Oshwasnika. And we are all watching you. You have become James Bond. You are acting. But inside, you feel that, sometimes you feel that you should have exercised some patience. 
you could have built your home. Now you have broken down everything. So accept that God's word. Every Christian needs a nevertheless in your life. Matthew 26, 39. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And Peter also said, we have told all night and we have caught nothing. I think it's Matthew 5, 5. Luke 5, 5. And then he says, but nevertheless, I'm an experienced fisherman. I'm an experienced married man. I'm experienced. Some of you too, you feel that your experience in business and your success in business means you are successful in marriage. But you see, life is in components and it doesn't really follow. Why do I say that? Because in 1 Samuel 25 verse 3, the Bible says that Nabal, he was a very great man, but he was also a fool. He was very successful in business. He had 3,000 sheep, so many oxen, so many things. He was successful in business, but in marriage he was a fool. So life is in compartments. And let's make sure that we are Christians in every department. Amen. The key of acceptance. Accept that God's word. Finally, I want to say that something the Holy Spirit has been impressing on me is that Christians are not kind to each other. We are cruel. The Bible says love is kind. It says the fruits of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness. Some versions put it kindness. We are kind to everybody else apart from our spouse. No kind words, no kind actions, no kind gestures, no kind thoughts. Every time you think about your wife, your husband, only foolish thoughts. He's bad. He's wicked. This man, where's the love that drew you together? Kindness. We don't talk kindly even to our work colleagues about your wife. If your wife were to open her portmanteau, it would not be easy. But you are busy discussing her in the office. She's this, she's this, she's this. Not realizing that that third party feels that she's your wife's rival. So she's very happy to hear you complaining about your wife. And she seems to comfort you because she's happy to be a replacement or a wedge between you and your wife. The Bible says what God has put together. Let no man, no woman, no circumstance, no experience, including your tongue, put you asunder. The Bible says the two shall be one flesh. When you were doing your marriage vows, you said, stand by you in all things. Love and protect. The protection has lifted. Except for the covering of the Lord, she stands alone. And that foolish man in your office is telling you, your husband doesn't treat you right. Somebody called me and said, I don't see my husband. He doesn't have time for me. And uh, there's a guy I share an office with. Lady Reverend, by the time I come in the morning, when he's coming to work, he has bought me breakfast. When it's lunch time, he says, what will you eat today? I started by saying, I will not eat. And he will still go out. And when he's coming, he says, although you said you will not eat, I thought you should have a bite. So I bought you this. So she said to me, I've begun to fall in love with him. It hasn't become a relationship, but I need help because I can see where I'm going. I said, well, first of all, go and ask if you can change offices so that you are put somewhere else. Number two, 
Don't go out for any lunch. Don't accept his gifts. Tell him, I don't think my husband will be happy for me to receive gifts, although you may have a very clear mind, but I'm not comfortable with it. So because of that, I'm afraid I cannot accept it. Now, she told me this in confidence. So I didn't tell the husband. But when I saw the husband, I said, look, you better pay attention to your wife, okay? When was the last time you took her lunch in the office? Hey, mommy, that's deep. I said, it's very deep. Ochina, koto lunch, what's it? As if I'm facing him. But what I was doing was trying to relay the wife's concerns. And then the wife called me, hey, mommy, he came here with lunch. I said, hey, God is moving. <laughs> Hallelujah, God is moving. And today, they've been mine for many years. At that time, they had about two or three children. Were you going to throw in that to just have a, a, a fling in the office? And these days, it's so common. And when you, even people come for counseling, you tell us, eh, mommy, you don't know what bang girls do. Are you a child of God or you are a bang girl? Are you a child of God or you are a bank boy? Sometimes I've gone to the bank and I pray for the male bankers because I see people come, even the tellers, the managers, I see people come to them and say, hey, and the wife, oh, today you are looking good. Hey, and your tie. Yeah. I'm waiting to be saved when all this is going on. And I'm praying under my breath, oh God, deliver this man. He is such a fool. Deliver him, Lord. Instead of cutting the conversation short, you are enjoying it. The Bible says about the strange woman by her flatteries. She warned him. And the Bible says, do not be taken by her eyelids. <laughs> oh, Nanka. Hey. <laughs> Don't use your life as a guinea pig. Accept that God's word is higher. Amen. That even in spite of all that you are experiencing, God was here from the foundations of the earth. And he knows why he has written what he has written. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. Many, many people, especially men, have regretted the roads they walked on. My mother says at the end of their lives, they say, call me my wife. She has really looked after me and they are crying. Beg my wife for me. All the good times you could have had, you went against God's word. And God's word is now fighting you. I pray. You know, I know how hard it is sometimes to forgive. I know how hard it is when your emotions are broken and you still have to forgive other people even in the church you know when people slander you you still have to love them because after all some people say i don't love my wife anymore lady reverend so i'll not forgive her really the bible says love your enemies so let's sign up your wife your husband as an enemy you owe him love i didn't say it he said it that's right that's right amen he said love your enemies do good to them that hate you this christianity is not an easy thing at all. Do good to them that hate you. If he said, be neutral, it would be easier. Be neutral. You hate me. Stay here. I stay here. But I should come and do good to you. Bless them that curse you. Hey, I thought that we go for prayer meetings. Hey, hey, that the fire of the Lord. That one is for Satan and his angels, whoever they are. But this enemy you have, God said, bless them that curse bless you. Them. And pray for them. That despitefully use you. Matthew 5, 44. How are you going to do that? It takes the divine power of God. So accept 
that your wisdom is like this and God's wisdom is like this. And his wisdom is higher than your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, what your mother has told you, what your father has told you. The word of God is paramount. The key of acceptance, it will unlock many doors. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wow, 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 wow. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.